Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us as he does every week at 10 o'clock, except next week he's going to have to join us at a different time because we only have an hour because of uh, the NFL draft. So, Nate Zielinski, are you going to call us at 9 or 9.45 next week? Them dang NFL draft. uh, You know, I I feel like people just want to hear about walleye fishing and spring turkeys more, you know, Terry? All right, we'll just cancel the NFL draft. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you coordinate with Karen what time you're calling next week. We'll uh, we'll just avoid that hate mail right now. So, uh, I'll just do a different time. (laughs) What is going on, my friend? I'll tell you, Terry, uh, we're excited about it. Today is officially uh, the first event for catch rate. Um, I am so thankful that we decided to make this an afternoon trip, obviously with Mother Nature uh, getting a good laugh at us this morning. So we're excited about it, Terry, though. To, this evening from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. is our first catch rate event. We're hoping this uh, little storm system moves out by then. It looks like about uh, you know, 10, 30, 11 today. It kind of starts moving on. Just cloudy, warms up a little bit. So we're excited about it so we have catch rate at chatfield uh this afternoon and it's a big event for us terry obviously we have one saturday event a year which is this saturday then all the remaining catch rate events are on wednesdays um but if people haven't fished catch rate it's like a league event uh it's almost like a bowling league so we took tournament angling and put a whole new spin on it kind of took away some of the pressure um some of the the you know whatever you want to call it the stigmatism around tournament fishing and we really built a, a do-all event that is just about having fun. Uh, so we have events for walleye, bass, trout, and carp. They all run simultaneously. It's only $20 cash per uh, per species. Um, so $20 per person per species. You can fish one species. You can fish two, three. It uh, doesn't matter. You can fish from shore, from a hand launch. You can fish from a boat. Um, so a lot of opportunity. And, again, like I mentioned, this Saturday is our first event. Um, so we, we pay out cash. So it's $20 cash to enter no registration you show up uh, at the check-in time uh pay your cash and you're good to go uh we have cash payouts to the top five as long as we have enough anglers participating in the event uh then eagle claw is giving out one of their new 3.5 rod series to all the winners uh bass pro shops and cabelas are giving a hundred dollar bass pro gift card uh to each winner and then this year uh we have kind of something special going on at every single event uh so every week and every event we have something some sort of a bonus or something special happening at every event um today we actually have two bonuses terry it's pretty exciting so uh in our carp category they have just what we mentioned cash prize a rod hundred dollars to bass pro on top of that eagle claw is providing a 250 dollars cash bonus to first place so the the longest carp today gets all the winnings plus a $250 cash bonus. And then we have a very unique prize on the walleye side this week. Um, So this week for the walleye division, you have the same thing. The winner of the overall event, so the longest single walleye, is going to get the cash in the event that they're going to get a a 3.5 rod. They're going to get a $100 Bass Pro uh, gift card. And on top of that, I am fishing against everybody tonight, Terry. Um, So uh, I'm going to be fishing against everybody. And if I catch a longer fish than the first place prize, there's no bonus. But if the first place fish is longer than any fish I catch tonight, 
they get that $250 bonus. So we're, we're throwing a little added competition uh, on it tonight. So we have a lot of people that, uh, that are hard up to, to beat me tonight. So we got some serious competition coming out to Chatfield. And I can't wait to, to fish against everybody. It's, it's going to be a great time. And the walleye bite down there is, is tremendous right now. The bass are going strong. The trout are good. Uh, the, trout, the carp are up shallow. So it, it's really going to be a great night for fishing. Well, I got to make one comment, though. If people, it, you can beat Nate as long as you're not in the same boat with him. <laughs> we were filming a television right show. I know I've told this story on the air before. Strategy. Yeah, I know I've told this story on the air before, but we're filming a television show on Chatfield, and we're in Nate's boat. And every time Nate pulled up, he'd turn the boat a certain way, and he'd have me stand on one side, he'd be on the other, and we'd cast out, and he'd always get the first fish. After about three of these positionings, I realized that he knew he had been out on the lake. He had these spots marked in his GPS, and he positioned the boat so he was casting to the prime spot every time. So what I did is the next time he started stopping the boat, I got up before the boat stopped, went to where he normally stands, and sure enough, caught a fish on my first cast. Terry, it's all about having a plan. I got a good plan for tonight. We're going to hope uh, hope the execution of the, day, of, the, of the plan works out tonight. Well, these people will have a chance because you won't be in their boat. So that's very true. I won't be able to front in them. That that's uh, that that's going to be my hard part of the competition tonight. Nate, Nate, before we move on to what actually the bites are right now, uh, what time is? registration for the event yep so so check-in time and registration is from 2 p.m to 3 p.m the event starts at 3 p.m uh the event closes at 10 p.m uh but just kind of some some general information uh you do not have to fish all the way until 10 p.m we have a lot of anglers asking about that um again this is one of our longer events kind of goes into the night to especially accommodate some of those big bass and walleye that have been feeding in that low light period um but you do not have to fish till the end um you actually don't even have to be present to claim your prize so if you want to fish till six seven o'clock get off the water go home uh if one of your submissions if one of your fish ends up placing uh we will get you that cash prize so you do not have to fish all the way to the end but anglers that want to uh the event goes from 3 p.m to 10 p.m our award ceremony will be about 10 15 10 30 p.m uh and everything is hosted out of the north boat dock at chatfield uh so registration check-in is at the north boat dock uh, 2 to 3 p.m. And again, our award ceremony will be just slightly after 10 p.m. Uh, right there in the North Boat Dock. And again, it's $20 per angler, per species. Uh, make sure you bring cash, and, and it's going to be a great time out there. Do you launch your boat at check-in? You, you, so after you check in at, at that 2 p.m., you can launch your boat, and then you'll just stage right there in uh, the no-wake zone at that boat dock. At 3 p.m., you're free to go off. Uh, if you are a hand launch, like a, a kayak, and you're going to launch somewhere else, or you're a shore angler, you just hang out in the parking lot uh, until 3 p.m., and at that time, we dismiss everybody. So the boats take off, and then you take off via your vehicle uh, to the location that you're going to go. Uh, our only rule is it has to be on the main reservoir of Chatfield, so it has to be connected uh, to the main reservoir of Chatfield. So like kingfisher is allowed, the ponds are not allowed. Uh, so that's kind of how the, how the rules work for, for where you can fish. All right, so tell people how they can catch these fish. Absolutely, Terry. You know, it, it's been unbelievable, Terry. Honestly, on 
Tuesday and Thursday of this week, I put up the the biggest numbers that I've ever put up in April um, in my entire career at Chapel Hill. I think everybody knows, you know, I grew up fishing as a kid, uh, started guiding at 18 years old on Chapel and It's pretty much all I've ever known. Uh, I mean, Chapel is my home body of water. And in my entire career, in my life, I, I've never seen the numbers that we're putting up. Um, we have a lacking shad population. Uh, the walleyes are hungry. They're looking for alternative food source. The water's up and is kind of made for just the absolute perfect scenario. We're on post-spawn fish. We, we have fish sitting, feeding on midges. They're feeding on, on bait fish. They're feeding on a variety of food source, but the variety of food source has really opened up their eyes to where a lot of times this time of year, it is very patterned. It is one thing that's working, and obviously that makes it a little tougher to, to put up some really you know high numbers of catch, but when they're on a variety of food source between shad, uh, perch fry, panfish fry, uh, midges, when they're on this big variety of food source, um, it really opens their eyes to, to a lot of presentations, and these fish are, are stacked up pretty good on structure and we're seeing a lot of big numbers uh, having a hundred fish day right now is by no means uncommon um so i encourage anglers if you're a walleye angler um you have kind of endless options there's a lead core bite the lead core bite is typically fishing 15 to 25 feet of water and you are putting a presentation on the bottom and you're catching those fish that are feeding on midges much like the cherry creek bite uh so you know paddle tails small crankbaits but but that bite exists there's also a suspended crankbait bite this is going to be with stick baits um so you're using all kinds of jerk baits and stick baits and you're trolling those you know kind of mid to higher water column and we're catching a lot of walleyes trolling cranks and then the fish are on structure so the structure fish like the road beds um humps points all of those fish are, are as shallow as six eight feet as deep as 16 18 feet um and we're catching them on all the traditional structure sales of fishing so throwing jigs um you know whether it's just a, a plastic whether it's a, a grub whether it's a jig with bait on it all of those are catching fish live bait rigging or live bait rigging um is catching a lot of fish and foot bobbers are catching fish so it's kind of neat to see um where our typical summer patterns of having a, a wide open variety of techniques is happening in april that is pretty rare for us we rarely see uh, a wide open spectrum of techniques working this time of year uh but it is right now and, and lucky for us you know, we still have a few males kind of in the spawn mode, but for the most part, the females are done. You know, 90-something percent of the males are done. So so our fish are in post-spawn. They're hungry. Our water's warming up. So even when we have these storm fronts come through, it is not shutting the fish down like it would if the fish were in spawn mode or, or not very far along in post-spawn and or had a ton of food. Um, the fact that we are having a slight lacking food source and really this opportunity of a, of a wide variety of post-spawn fish, these storms have not had that much effect. I had the heater running, um, you know, all day Thursday on the boat. It was extremely cold out there, and the bite was absolutely incredible. So uh, the walleye, we're not going to see a major effect of this storm. Uh, we might see some of those bigger fish not moving up as shallow. Um, so I'm going to kind of change my game plan for how I'm going to fish tonight. Um, but with that said, the walleye bite is not going to show much signs of that. Obviously, trout thrive in the colder conditions, so I think our trout bite is going to be strong. And I think it's going to actually help the bass anglers because over the last week we've seen some of our bigger smallmouth and even the largemouth starting to come up shallow into a pre-spawn state. Um, 
And as these bass come shallow, they kind of spread out. So you have deep fish, shallow fish. When you get a storm front like this, it's going to kind of pull those bass just a hair deeper, and it's really going to gather them up. So the bass anglers are going to be able to use their electronics, and they're going to find a lot of these bass grouped together. And if you find the, the right group of some of the bigger bass, a um, lot of opportunity, especially in a tournament style like we're having today. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity for fish across the board today at what we're going to see. Now, I mentioned this earlier in the show, and I want to get your opinion on it. Um, Chatfield is on fire. The fish are everywhere. You have multiple techniques. You wouldn't think by the water temperature that they'd be almost approaching a summer peak where the metabolism gets high and and there's no bait because they haven't spawned yet. Uh, but the water's rising also, and that can tend to move the fish, sometimes push it shallow. Cherry Creek, the water is down, even though it's probably just as cold as Chatfield, but the bite is much more specific and much more focused because of the amount of bait that's there. Is the rising water and the lack of bait contributing to this? You know, Terry, I think what it is more so is it's giving us a lot of structure and it, it's giving the fish the kind of the perfect commodity. So the water is up essentially if we, again, it's so hard without saying exact numbers, but from like the old normal pool, we're up roughly five feet. So we, we are just to the point where we have, you know, flooded trees and flooded timber. So we're five vertical feet higher than a normal year. So what that does is the normal year when those fish really like to hold in that like 10 to 15 foot of water range, normally the gravel pits are just a hair too shallow. Normally the roadbed is a hair too deep and it kind of puts these fish all over the place. When you raise that water five vertical, it gives a ton of structure in the fishery in that like 10 to 16 foot range. Um, so it really gives us the phenomenal water level to present these fish on structure to where a lot of times on a normal year, the structures are too shallow or too deep and it's causing those fish to suspend. Um, this time of year when they're feeding on midges, I mean, every fish I've caught this week has midges in their mouth. So Every piece of structure that's that, you know, 14, 15, 16, 18 foot um, that has mud, it, it has midges on it. So those fish are gorging on that. There's a ton of vegetation in the lake this year, uh, both on all the submerged, submerged trees um, and, and all those young bait fish. Again, the perch fry, the, the bluegill fry, even saw some crappie fry. Um, they're hanging around all that new flooded timber and those walls are moving into that. So I think it's kind of the, the opportunity of an alternative food source mixed with like the perfect water level to present a lot of structure. It's really making that bite take off um, outside of a normal bite for this time of year. We only got about, we only got about two minutes left. Take us through some of the other bites in case people want to do something else. Absolutely, Terry. We're really excited. Spinny opened yesterday to, to shore angling. Uh, obviously, we're not open to boats up there yet, uh, but we're excited about that. So those fish are pretty heavy in the spawn mode. So the the fly anglers that are presenting, you know, egg patterns, worms. Uh, I mean, we say that I mean like a sand one worm type type blood worm. Uh, the anglers that are fishing that in some shallow water on spawn sites are having some pretty good success. Um, the spin fishing, we're catching fish, uh, but I wouldn't say it's going to be gangbusters. You know, everybody gets really excited excited about the opener of spinny, uh, but when those fish are kind of in and out of that spawn mode, um, it is very good for the fly anglers. Um, again, conventional tech guys are catching fish, but I would not say it's like the, the world-class bite. Um, when I really start to get excited about spinny, uh, is starting, we always call it the Mother's Day bite, you know, somewhere between that May 8th and 12th. Um, is when we see these fish pretty much heavily recovered from spawn and that bite takes off. So either way, spinning's open for shore angling. Fly bite's been really good. 
Uh, commission cycle has been good, not amazing. Uh, we're also really excited, you know, with 11 Mile opening soon. Uh, 11 Mile is shooting for the date of May 5th. Uh, they're putting in a new wave break system. If they get that system up and operational sooner, uh, there might be a chance for a day early opening on that. But right now we're really shooting for May 5th of that opener at 11 Mile. Uh, and I think that May 5th is going to deliver a pretty awesome bite for big rainbows and more so a really awesome pike opportunity at 11 Mile. Uh, that's a perfect time to where we're going to have fish. Uh, you'll have a handful of fish still in pre-spawn. I'd say you're going to have 90% out of spawn, so you're going to have a great opportunity for really big fat spawners, uh, as well as just a lot of really hungry post-spawn pike at 11 miles. So a lot of opportunity, whether you're on the front range or up in the mountains. All right, my friend, we are out of time, but we'll talk to you sometime next week. Absolutely. And guys, remember, everybody, come to Chatfield today. Check in between 2 and 3. Go to Facebook. Go to our website for more information. We'll see you at Chatfield this afternoon. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Nate. Have a great weekend. But Nate Solinsky, always a great resource. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, the folks from Jacks are going to join us, and we're going to talk more, more fishing and, you know, it's a bunch of other topics, too, right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Speaking of Jack's, let's go right to the phones. And joining us from the Lafayette store is Ian Campbell. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Thanks for. I'm doing good. Thanks for patiently waiting. Sometimes, sometimes Nate's two-minute answers get about four minutes long, but but he he share he shares a lot of information. Yes, he does. It's hard to follow that act, but we'll do our best. No, well, you know, Nate's talking about some fishing and. I, I've been saying throughout the show, it's been a different kind of spring. And, of course, looking out my window at the snow this morning, it, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting tired of it. But uh, because we're later in the spring, because the sun is at a higher angle, we're getting these setbacks. But the fishing is actually starting to take off. The rivers are starting to flow. And I know you're an avid angler yourself. What kind of things are you seeing out there and what are you getting ready to do? Right, this time of the year, you know, it's a great time to get your fishing license. Come on in, Jax. Um, we have plenty of, uh, we have experts, you know, um, when it comes to fishing, hunting, um, hiking, you name it. Um, and it's nice to, to go to a place where you can try stuff on. Um, it's, you know, you don't see that very often um, anymore nowadays. So it's it's great that this is a place that you can, Try stuff on, bring your kids, get them all excited for and outfitted for the great outdoors. And, and, and you're right, you know, people come in, a lot of times they buy so much stuff online, and then they end up sending it back because the rod doesn't feel right, the waders don't fit right, or the clothing isn't exactly what they thought it was going to be. So much of that's easier. And when you've got these stores up and down the front range that Jack's has, you can go in and touch it and feel it and get to know it and talk to somebody who's knowledgeable about it, and you really can get outfitted. How is inventory doing? I know over the last few years it was tough for everything because of the supply chain, but I'm hearing things are catching up. Is that what the case is? Uh, we have so much stuff, uh, to, even that needs to go out still. Uh, spring's here, and I think that uh, we're seeing the result of that with the people coming in and getting ready for different trips, different outings um, that they plan on doing with their family and loved ones. Um, it's, it's really exciting just to be a part of it and 
you know, help them get geared up for, you know, some, some life events. So it's pretty cool. Before we talk a little fishing too, you guys cover just virtually everything outdoors, biking, hiking, camping, uh, fishing, hunting, of course. And along with that comes apparel. And I think a lot of people going into the winter, they've learned a lot about dressing properly. I'm not sure going into spring and summer, they still do. Now I know you have a lot to do with the apparel sales at at Jack's, do you you find yourself having to correct mistakes? I mean, obviously you want people to be comfortable. Is there still a lot of misunderstanding about how to dress going into the warmer seasons? That's a great question, Terry. And I think it, it boils down to, I think people um, often forget the, to account for Colorado's amazing weather of 84 degrees one day and snowing the next, like we're experience, experiencing this, this beautiful morning. Um, and, and as a result, people get caught, you know, with, uh, you know, they, they went fishing with the same sweatshirt they had on in, in Denver up in the mountains, you know, and then they're ill-prepared for the temperatures and the weather change. And you know? there's something, there's things that they can do and different types of layering, some things to avoid. Cotton, uh, for sure. We want to have something to move sweat around against our skin um, and layering is key. Uh, you know, a nice down in between jacket with uh, something that's a waterproof shell. Uh, we always say there's a ton of different uh, things that came in for spring in the apparel department from outdoor research, from really great technical um, waterproof lines um, for jackets this spring. So um, they need home. Uh, Terry, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned cotton. And when I was doing survival training, our one of our main sayings was "cotton killed." People have no idea. Cotton shirt on the beach at 90 degrees in Florida is okay, but and even then, it's not as comfortable as the right fabric. But cotton, when you're changing temperatures, hypothermia can get you so quick. Let's move on to a couple other things real quick. <clears throat> you do a lot of fly fishing. You're an avid fly angler. Rivers are starting to blow out. Do you continue to, you can fish the rivers. Do you continue to look for fishable water, or do you maybe switch to lakes? How do you approach it? Right now, tailwaters, you know, are, are key uh, because of the control of the, the CFS right now with the, with the melt. Uh, we're seeing a lot more, you know, there's still great pond fishing, um, and the water's cold. It's still cold now, and trout love uh love cold water uh so they're really starting to move around we noticed in the, that last section is uh fishing the fishing time is now um uh i like um certain places you know button rocks close you know uh a lot of other you know these little inlets in little rivers between bear creek clear creek they're all going to start fishing really really well soon once once the waters come down to a, a fishable level. Before we run out of time, you guys are also doing a lot of uh, classes and things. Uh, let's get to some of the things you're doing. Now, this is the Lafayette store. I think this is unique to you guys. And are you you're going to be doing fly fishing and fly tying classes? Is that right? That is correct, Terry. We are um, from May 6th to July 29th. We're going to do fly and conventional casting clinics every Saturday at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., as well as fly tying clinics the last Saturday of the month from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So we're really getting people, you know, geared up, psyched, 
you know, for that upcoming, you know, trout season, um, and, uh, and just fishing in general, um, knowing that uh, a lot of people come in and I think that, the the turnout necessarily to fly fishing is, um, you know, people are often intimidated by, uh, learning how to cast, you know, so we have a, a you know, a wealth of experts here at the store that they'll take you through the, the one-on-ones, if you will, if, from casting, you know, to, uh, regular bait casting. So, uh, and as well as, uh, we have something for the kids coming up. We have a kids archery balloon shootout. It runs April through July, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're excited about that. Just getting kids into the store and people into the store and necessarily, uh, opening their eyes to how, how easy it is, you know, to start loving, you know, fishing. Um, and now, the great outdoors. Now, do you have to sign up ahead of time for these classes? Do you just show up? How do they work? I just show up. So let's go through them again. Um, you're going to have casting, both fly casting and bait casting. And when are those going to be? May 6th through July 29th, every Saturday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then we and have fly tying clinics the last Saturday of the month, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then the kids' archery shootout, the balloon shootout. That is April through July. It's on Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Now, if you're under 17, it is free. Um, so bring your kids. Have a great time. Uh, we have we have a whole archery range here at Jack's that most people don't know about. Uh, a little hidden gem, if you will. Um, so come on in and get excited for the great outdoors. All right. And they're talking about the archery is free. The fishing classes are free always, right? Correct. All right. Ian, so much going on. How do they find the Lafayette store? Where's it located? It's 900 South U.S. 287. Uh, uh, Right down the street. So uh, it's it's conveniently located. There's as well as a a farm and ranch uh, located in not to be confused with the Jack's Outdoor Store on U 900 US 287. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us, Ian. Uh, thanks for your time, Terry. Really appreciate it. All right. That's Ian from uh, the Lafayette Store with Jack's. Lots of classes and stuff. You don't go out. A lot of people don't start in the outdoors because they're just intimidated. You go into the store, you sit through a class, you get some knowledge, get outside, then go back and take another class. The little nuances will come to you. Or hire a guide for a trip. That'll really help you, too. Speaking of that, we're going to take a quick time out, and Chad Lachance is going to join us with some other fishing opportunities right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones and joining us as he does every other Saturday, Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Good morning, Terry. You know, we've been talking about a lot of different walleye fishing and trout fishing and all of those are good, but there's some opportunities that I know you and I both take advantage and a good friend of ours, Ronnie Castiglione, does too, that we love in the spring to go out and fish the ponds 
Absolutely. And, and, and specifically for the panfish, because first of all, there's lots of them, right? So panfish are big in number. So you're probably going to catch a bunch of them for one. They don't have to be terribly complicated for two. And in some scenarios, depending on where you're getting them, getting them, they can be absolutely delicious as well. So uh, for me, this time of year, the panfish can be a really fun opportunity. I've been targeting some crappies and some bluegills lately, and uh, you don't have to go far. You don't have to have a lot of equipment, and it's it can be just a lot of fun. It's also excellent for kids or newer anglers. And here's a really good call is if you're a fly fisherman and you want to get some some fly casting done, uh, a small fly will catch just as many panfish as anything you could throw. So you can walk around town and, and throw a fly out and not to deal with rivers that maybe get muddy as we go into spring, things like that. You can catch them on the fly rod. And that's, to be honest with you, one of my favorite ways to catch them. Well, you and I have talked. We've sat having an adult beverage on my patio and said, have you fished this pond? And I said, yeah, well, I was just there yesterday and you were there a week before me. I mean, it's... <laughs> And people always want to know, they see us on social media or on our television shows, and they'd go, what was that pond? And the reality is, you don't need that pond. You need a pond, and they're up and down the front range. That's a key point right there, Terry, is every one of these ponds. I was just talking to a friend of mine that works at Colorado Parks and Wildlife who drives a hatchery truck and uh, and stocks them. And the list of ponds that they go every spring and put bluegills and crappies and uh, also little channel cats, but that's kind of a different story. But, uh, but they stock like crazy ponds all over. And a lot of them are really small ponds, like local neighborhood ponds, uh, you know, that get some of the stockings as well. And so you can also, you know, if you do want to make more of an adventure out of it, or maybe you're targeting some, some larger uh, fish or maybe some fish that are more appropriate to eat as opposed to, you know, maybe a neighborhood pond you don't want to eat out of. Uh, places like some of the state wildlife areas, like out at Stalker Lake, which is right adjacent to the hatchery. Well, it's a couple-hour drive, but it's got really big bluegills and really big red-eared sunfish and crappies in it. And so the guy might go out there and harvest a few of them too out there. And so you can make it as, as difficult or easy as you want, but my inclination is to cruise around ponds in town uh, with a single spinning rod or a single fly rod or better yet, one of each. And, uh, and just, a, a some sort of a little tiny offering. You got a, a bunch of choices there. And then for me with the fly rod, it's almost always just a little tiny wet fly that I barely move. And I typically will do that with a three weight and, um, and just a long leader, nothing between me and the fish, but a leader and a little fly on the end of it, which is the essence of fly fishing and, and, you know, stretching some cast out. So it's, a, it's just a good chance to get out and have a really good time. And like I said, catch a whole bunch of fish. And any pond around town just about is going to be appropriate. Some of the nuances that I'll look for, we've talked about this a lot, but I'm looking for new vegetation that's growing in the water. So green vegetation growing uh, is going to be good. Uh, Cattail edges potentially will be good. Any sort of hard cover in the pond, in other words, you know, even something as small as a big tree limb that blew in there. Uh, potentially will be good as well. And it's really about less is more. The, the, the less you try to do it, the less tricky you get, the more of them you'll catch. Well, you know, you talked about vegetation. And a lot of these ponds, I find that you get through April and May, depending on the weather, and you get this prolific panfish bite. And then some of them, the vegetation actually gets a little tough to get to, and you have to look for other locations. So some of these, you need to be out exploring them right now. 
Absolutely. And those, uh, those same fish are still in those ponds when the vegetation gets up, but they're on the outside of the weed lines and you can't get to them from the bank. So if you want to be able to access them, you can, you now is like said the time because you can fish over the top of the vegetation before it comes all the way to the surface and, and, uh, and lays over. So, and it could be a variety of species too. One of my favorite, Terry, which you'll find around town in various places, uh, is the pumpkin seed, which is a beautiful fish. I mean, they almost look like a saltwater fish, really orange and blue, just really, really pretty fish, uh, super fun. And then the readier sunfish, a little, little um, oh, trivia, let's just say for that, they've been stocking readier sunfish all over the state. And part of the reason is because they are known to be muscle eaters. So uh, if they stock red ears, which looks just like a bluegill, if you don't, if you don't know what you're looking at, you might think you caught a bluegill. You've got to look at them real close. But uh, but the red ear sunfish will eat mussels, so they stock them around the state, so that hopefully in the event that there is a, a zebra mussel or a quagga mussel outbreak, the red ears are around, and hopefully we'll keep them in check. And incidentally, that's why the red ears get so big in Lake Havasu, where they get upwards of five pounds because they have a steady diet of zebra mussels. So the the panfish. Um, as a general rule, you have a variety of them you can chase, but almost always, and I think you'll agree with me, smaller is better when it comes to your presentations. Uh, the, the biggest way to put off panfish is to throw something too big. So little is your friend, like a little one-inch Berkeley power nymph is a good call. A one-inch gold minnow is a good call. Um, the little tiny teaser tubes are really good calls. And then any sort of a little wet fly is an excellent call, or a nymph for that matter, like a you know, uh, uh, maybe a size 14 wet flyer nymph, or maybe even a little bit smaller than that, will get tons of bites. And this time of the year, um, I'll even fish a lot of ice fishing jigs. I'll use a small stick bobber, just not very big, with a totally unweighted, sometimes an empty hook with just a piece of gulp out of a jar, like the gulp waxy or the gulp extruded little worms. Or I'll, yep. or I'll put, a, I'll put a, a small stick bobber, and you almost don't need that bobber, but it gives you a little extra weight to get it out there and keeps it, the fish will come up for it this time of the year and keeps it in the strike zone. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing they, these fish like to feed up. And so if you can hang it in front of their face or above them, you're going to be a lot better off. And, and that's, that's very key. And also with minimal movement, it's not typically the kind of thing where, you know, you know me, Terry, I like, I'm the reaction bite guy. I like to fish hard and aggressive and fast, but that's the fastest way to ruin your day. Pan fishing. You've got to fish more methodical with them. And uh, like I said, do a little bit less is more. Your idea of hanging it under a bobber is an excellent call. Um, you know, as far as it goes, the little waxy is a really good call. I do the same thing with a gold minnow, a one-inch gold minnow, and I nose hook it with a little tiny salmon egg hook and uh, and let it hang under a bobber. And as it settles down, they'll pick it up, the most subtle takes ever. But uh, the, the big thing is just don't move a bait a whole bunch. You're not trying to go fast with it. You're not trying to get crazy jigging it. It's a matter of hanging it in their face and giving them every chance to eat it. So and under a bobber, if you... If you've got a lighter presentation under a bobber and you're only a couple of feet down or even less, but if you do move it, if you reel it just a foot or two, that bait tends to pull back up to the surface. Then when you stop, it sets to settle back down and you give it time again and you're only a few feet from where you are, but it's falling in the water and that really seems to trigger them. 
Absolutely. They love that. And one of the tricks I learned from Charlie Bunting, who at the time was a national crappie fishing champion, is to hold a bait right above them. If you can see them, and there's a lot of places you'll be able to see them and dab them, particularly uh, if you're in a boat. So if, if a guy's listening to this and he's trying to get some of them maybe at Pueblo or someplace like that where you might be in a boat, or if you can see them from the bank, which there's a pond in town here that I fish that's got wood cover along the bank, and you'll see them sitting up against it. You can hold your bait right above them. Hold your little tiny jig right above them and don't move it at all. Just barely just hold it still as you can and let them stare at it and let them stare at it and let them stare at it. And then you drop it one inch, just doop, just that little tiny drop, pow, and they'll just key on it right away and smoke it. And uh, it's a good trick. Charlie Bunting was fishing circles around me in the boat, and I couldn't figure out what he was doing. And then I realized that little trick. And as soon as I realized that, it became one for one all day long. It was literally that one inch drop that made all the difference. So the, the key, like you said, though, less is more and a subtle fall is really, really good. For a lot of fish, really, but especially panfish. And another thing that will happen to you when you're fishing these panfish, there's some bass in these ponds, and some of them are big, but when you're fishing the panfish, a lot of times, especially in the spring, you'll get one of those 11 or 12-inch bass, and you'll know you hook something different than a sunfish. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and they love that little small, subtle fall. The other thing that's happened to me a couple of times in the past, and it happened to me actually out of Stalker Lake where we were, we were just talking about, I hooked a bluegill on a fly rod and was fighting that bluegill and had a bass about five or six pounds smash that bluegill. And uh, unfortunately, the bluegill came off and I lost the bluegill and the bass. But uh, but we got to watch it. In fact, we kind of got it on video. Not It's not super clear, but it was cool to watch a bass come up and try to grab the bluegill that I was fighting. Well, we got about two minutes left, and I got to get on you about something. Oh, boy. You sent, you sent me a picture of a whitetail tenderloin and a sauce made from beef broth <laughs> fortified with bone marrow. And I didn't hear my phone ring to bring a bottle of wine to come over and eat it. <laughs> that looks Oh, that looked, man, Jerry, that, that looks so good. You, uh, you would have loved it. I made that beef stock, and uh, and I made the, I roasted the bones myself, got those from Choice City Butcher, and, uh, and roasted the bones and harvested the marrow from them, and uh, the old-school fondant potatoes. And, uh, man, that was a that was a white-tailed dough that I, I harvested back in and froze the tenderloin whole, seared off in cast iron, and, man, that was good all the way around. It was a fantastic meal. And uh, begging for a Malbec, Terry, begging for a Malbec. You know, um that's a very difficult meat to cook because it has almost no fat in it. And you have to cook it perfectly or it dries out. But that looked fantastic. I think next time we come on, we may have you go through a, a recipe for us. People love it when you do that. I would love to do that, Terry. And, and uh, you know, I'm cooking, as much as I love to hunt and fish, I think the biggest reason I like to bring stuff home and cook it. So um, cooking's my deal. I would love to talk about it anytime with anybody who wants to do it. Yeah, you and I could probably do a cooking and wine show as much as we enjoy both. <laughs> oh, we could easily do that. We should we should film one of those one of these days. But, yeah, I think so because you have the depth of knowledge of the wine, and I love to cook, and I have a freezer full of game. So I've got everything in there from, from rabbits to venison, you know, to antelope to elk. So, uh, yeah, we, we uh, have a good variety going on. And uh, it's always fun. Those little white-tailed tenderloins like that, they cook in, like, two minutes in a one million degree cast iron skillet with just a little bit of, of uh, butter and olive oil on them and salt and pepper. And that's it. And cook them to 130 degrees. They are delicious with a hard sear on the outside of them. So good. We are out of time, Chad. If people want more information from you, how do they find you? Uh, fishfulfinger.com. If they want to book a guide trip, I actually have a few days left uh, on my calendar for June, which is strange, but I do this year. 
So fishfulthinker.com or at fishfulthinker on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and especially YouTube. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks very much, Terry. You guys have a great day. You too. Chad LaChance, always a great resource. And him and I do get into food and wine. We have shared some great meals, I'll tell you. We're going to take a time out. and we come back, we'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and maybe even talk to Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, if you like what you hear on this show, uh, we podcast everything on denversports.com on my page. But also, if you go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on on Facebook, we put links to a lot of the more timely podcasts there. In addition, do we get reports from people in the field? We keep you abreast. We show techniques. In fact, I think what I'm going to do is Chad and I were talking about some presentations for panfish, and I talked about one that I do with an ice jig and a small stick bobber that's just super effective. I teach it to all my grandkids and to all the neighborhood kids, and they just kill the fish in these ponds. I'll see if I can get a copy of that up on our our, uh, Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, over the um, next couple days. I know Karen's got a copy of it on her computer. I don't know if I have it on mine, but we'll get that up there because it's really a great way right now to go out and fish these ponds and just have some really good fun. Next week, we will be uh, only a one-hour show from uh, 9 to 10 because we will be having the NFL draft. And I don't think, I don't know if the Broncos even choose till Saturday because they're so down in the draft. Third round, I think. They may pick one day, one, they may have a pick before that or two picks because they have a couple third round picks. We'll have to, we'll ask Mr. Uh, Dan Jacobs that in just a minute. Also, if you follow us on social media, also follow our music entity, Wickstrom and Dobreth. Just search Wickstrom and Dobreth for our, our latest releases. We have a single that's out now, an EP that's out. We have a new single coming out soon. We appreciate that. Let's go. Is Mr. Dan Jacobs in studio? Hello, oh, sorry. Dan. I, was, Are you I there? was talking to Dante. Sorry about that. Well, sure. Pay attention. Jeez. Yes, sir. So anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. What were you saying? I was hearing you talk about panfish. Here's a question for you. Now, you said if people like the show, they can go to, you know, of course, denversports.com and look on the podcasting and all those things. What if they don't like what they hear on the show, Terry? Who do they complain to about that? They can listen to you then and they'll, they'll like me better. Oh, okay. All right. So, what to, uh, by the way, there's a new article on denversports.com right now about Sean Payton. What do you say about Sean Payton? You know, I want to get excited because I think he's a quality coach. I think he's such an upgrade from the last three coaches we've had. I really do. But the Broncos have let me down so much over the last few years that it's all got to be wait and see for me. Are we ready to play this year? Or are we going to have to really tear this thing apart with Sean Payton as the coach? But I, I, I mean, they're going to have to show me. I can't get any preseason hype going. But I do think uh, he's an up. Uh, I think he's a big upgrade over our last three coaches. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. He was my guy, number one, right from the start. And by the way, well, since we're, we're, we're talking outdoors, I'm looking outside right now. I'm looking at these geese kind of rolling around the snow, and I can't think of, but of a young 
Terry Wickstrom, growing up fishing outdoors in the wilderness of Minnesota. Uh, how, does it remind you of growing up back home? And by the way, are you conflicted at all with the Denver Nuggets whipping up on your old home state? Oh, no. I'm, I've been here for so long now that I follow the local teams and I support them. And the Timberwolves aren't that good. We'll see what happens to the Nuggets in the next round. It could be a little different. I want to make one quick more comment about Sean Payton. I made a comment in the mi- way before they fired our last coach. And I told my son, I said, we need to get rid of him. And he said, who should they get? I go, you got to go get Sean Payton because he's the only one. That you can't bring in another one of these. Let's see if they can coach guys. No, absolutely. 100%. We were the, on the same page. There. See, great minds do think alike. I like coach. All right, my friend. Speaking of that, I'll wrap this up so you can tell people what you're thinking. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Follow us on Facebook. Follow Wickstrom and Dobrith. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobson Sports on 104.3 The Fan.